Hi, I'm Jerry Jewell. Hi, Jerry Jewell. I'm Hi. Vicky. Vicky. Hi, I'm Vicky Abelson, and this is Game Changers. And uh, if ever there was a game changer, it is this lady right here, this woman, this human, this person who, uh, for those of you who live under a rock and don't know, I'm just going to say off the top because we're going to get into the whole story. I spilled water all over the table. You that really should stop imitating me, Vicky. <laughs> is, is that what it is? <laughs> so Jerry, who wrote this book, Walking as Straight, Walking as Straight as I Can, and who actually was in this living room with Cloris Leachman, yes. who was also on Facts of Life, which yes. I didn't even, you know, I don't think, when I booked it at the time, I did not make that association. No, you didn't. I didn't know. Um, but Jerry was the first person, not just first woman, but first person ever with a disability to be a regular on, on, a, on a series. You know, I was the first woman, actually. Oh, there was a guy? Disability. Yes. Who? And I, the way I, I mean, I've always been said that I am the first person with a visible disability to be on a primetime series. Right. But there was a little person on the Wild Wild West. I think it was Peter Gunn. Peter Gunn. Yes. But, but, this is what was different with me. Okay. I think I was defined as a disability. I don't think Peter was defined as someone with a disability. I was just, I was thinking that. I was wondering if a little person qualifies as having a it disability. It does, technically. It does. But what I'm saying is, it, it's different. Yeah, mm -hmm. and there was Lou Ferrega in Hulk. Right. Hearing impaired. But again, it was an invisible disability that you couldn't see. Nobody knew that. That's right. Yes. That's right. So I would say I'm the first way out there visible disability woman. <laughs> big disability. <laughs> no. It's a big disability. <laughs> which you have made a an you have you have turned your disability into an able uh, an ability. You you've that's really that Scratch that. This is live. She did not make her disability an ability. It has I nothing did. to do with that. But you made it, you used it. I wouldn't say you've made it an asset, but I would say that, well, in a way you have. Yeah, I did. You have because you've inspired other people and you've given other people permission. Of course. And that's huge. And, that, and you've done that through your stand-up and you've done that in all kinds of platforms or in your book. And, yes. Um, I'm walking as straight as I can. So... All right, we're going to talk about, before we get into Jerry, and we're going to, well. We're going to get into me? Wow! I really, as soon as I said that, I was like, okay, we're going there tonight. We are going there. All right, but before we go there, I want to see if she's on. Wait, because Rick's mom's supposed to be watching, and I don't know if she's watching yet. Um, I can't see if she's watching, but Mrs. Smokey, if you out there. Hi, Michael DeVille. Hi, Marty Ross. Hi, Dor. Oh, there's Dorothy Smokey. Hi, Dorothy. She's my new Facebook friend, and she's watching. She's oh, excited to see you. Hello. And Norm. Hi, Norm. And Keith and Dave and Patricia and uh, uh, and Gary. Hi. It's like romper room today. It, it, it is kind of like romper room, but we want to say hi to the people who are watching us. But I, I want to, you know... Jerry, I, you know, you're not on here, but Rick, we need a new tissue box because we need Jerry and Cloris on the tissue box. This is, um, 
when I first started doing Women Who Write, this guy in Chicago, Rick Smolke, who has a printing company, really felt passionate about the fact that women were getting together and having this artistic, creative experience together and sharing it. And it was before we were live on Facebook. He couldn't watch it. I had videos up on YouTube, but he said, I want to do stuff for you. I want to help you. So he started making us swag every month. He would send oh, wow. me pads and calendars and all kinds of things. And so when Mackenzie Phillips was here, she wrote her memoir about her very, yes. very troubled childhood. Yes, I read it. And we cried. Yeah. And so he, someone said, you should have Rick make you tissue boxes. And he did. And so a bunch of the people who did the early Women Who Writes around here, but we have to get you on here. And he's also made my bookmarks. I bet he could make you bookmarks for your book. Oh, They're really nice, wonderful. right? And then uh, Rick, Jerry needs some bookmarks that say, I'm walking as straight as I can with that great <laughs> photograph of her on them. So we'll get Rick to do that. He can make you business cards that have your book on the back, you know. Uh, I yeah, like that. He could do that. So that's Rick Smokey. Quick Impressions in Chicago. They are the best printers. They are the best people. If you need anything done, just tell them you're a friend of the show, of mine, of Jerry's, and he'll take great care of you. He'll take great care of you anyway. And... I get to go to the, we were just talking about our hair color, because we, you know, don't know what's going to happen when we go, right? <laughs> don't know. Is it going to be lighter, darker? Because I trust my hairdresser. Do you? I do. Oh, God, yeah. You love your hairdresser? I had a crush on him in high school. Oh, are you serious? Yes. You've been going to the same hairdresser this whole time? Yeah, well, no. No, we went to high school together. Yeah. And he was in all the plays, and I had such a huge crush on him. Paul McKay, Aww. and we ran into each other in the 80s, and he had a salon up in Studio City, and he's been doing my hair ever since. I love that. So, What's the name of his salon? Let's give him a plug. Um, Paul Florent. Paul Florent? Florent. Florent. Yeah. So he changed his name for the biz. Well, no, 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 no. The guy that he was partnered oh. with, his last name was Florent. And I believe he passed away of AIDS in the 80s, and Paul took over the salon. And his wife, she does the color. Nice! So Paul does the cut, and (laughs) Connie does the color. And I love that. My my hairdresser's in Studio City also, Nicole Venables, who I love so much, and she has this hairspray, Hair Crush Love. Fuck off. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <Not> Deadwood. <laughs> it is so... Yeah, Deadwood. The, 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 yeah, we're fucking we're, back. We're fucking back. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That is so my kind of show. So Nicole Venables of the Ruby Begonia Salon <laughs> Studio City is going to be doing my hair tomorrow. And I'm so excited. Because I've been wearing it curly because I can't really... Do anything with it anymore. It needs to be done. So what color will I be tomorrow? Probably blonder, I'm thinking. She likes the blonde. I like the blonde. It, it, it's, it's, you know, it, as I age, the gray grows out, and it, you see it less when I'm blonde. Yes, I, I know. Yeah, that's what happens. I have the same kind of issue. Yeah, I know. It's not, yeah, well, the alternative well, I is... I could go totally gray. Actually, I am totally gray in the Deadwood movie. Are you really? Yes. How'd you, how's it look? Do you like it? Um, I was shocked when I saw it. Um, I looked at my grandmother. Oh, um, I don't know if anybody needs to do that yet. But there is a wonderful story about that hair in the movie. T- 
And Can you tell us? Nobody's been told this yet, so you get. We have an exclusive. We have an exclusive. Tell um, the woman who did the wig for my hair. She came over to my house mm-hmm. and took all the measurements and everything. And she. So they didn't make you really go gray. Pardon? They didn't make you really go gray. They, no, 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 okay. no. But. I'm I'm going somewhere with this, ah. and she took a long time. She, I we had a wonderful conversation. She had been in the industry since the early fifties. Wow! She came here from Germany, uh huh, and she was helping this show because you know it's a period piece, and they really needed a lot of people to do hair. Mm. And I didn't contact her again. I didn't see her again. I was hoping I'd see her last night, but mm-hmm. I didn't. Uh, I was disappointed, um, but when I showed up on set the first day and they put the wig on me, everybody around me was crying, and I thought, what, <laughs> what's what's so emotional about this? And I know that Lanny looked at Melanie and she said, well, we can tell her, we can tell her, Jerry can know, um, and I wish I could pronounce her name and I can't okay so please forgive me but she said this wig was made by so-and-so uh-huh. um, she had cancer and her hair fell out and she used all her own hair to make my wig oh my god yes I mean oh my god God. Nobody wanted to do anything to that wig because it was so special. And I, it was interesting because when she was at my home, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, we had long conversations, and she noticed a picture on my bookcase. Oh, who is that actress? I don't think I've ever seen her. She's beautiful. And I said, that's my younger sister, Gloria. But she died a year ago of cancer. And she said, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. So the fact that she didn't tell me that she had cancer and that she used her hair for my work. That's very humble. That was something that I will never forget as long as I live. Wow. Did she, did she, was her head covered? Did she? Well, I, I assume it was earlier. I don't mm. think it was at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, because she had long brown hair. But what do I know? Could have been a wig. Could have been I, a wig. I don't know. Could have been a wig. I don't know. Maybe she, she saved her hair just for you. She saved it for me. Wow. Did that empower you on set? It it did. I mean, you know, I I don't know what will become of the wig. I'm hoping that there'll be a Deadwood sequel. And I can that would be again. good. That would be good. Uh, but it's it's a special. Mm. That was an act of love. Totally. And, and I have got to thank her for that because that just touched my heart. And you know. I know it had something to do with her embracing the loss of my sister also. I bet it did. Yeah. I bet it did. Oh, wow. That's, I'm sorry for your loss. 
That's that cute. A, that's a beautiful story, though. That's um, that doesn't happen a lot in Hollywood, no, does it? No, right? it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. And yeah. the fact that she chose me to use that hair. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm moved, and uh, for those of you who don't know, um, Jerry went last night to the premiere of Dead with a Movie. Yes. We're fucking back. Yes. <laughs> who came up with that, do you know? I have no idea. I love it. But the movie is phenomenal. Oh, God, that's so great. I'm excited. It, it, it premieres May 31st yes. on HBO. Oh, there's my brother. Your brother's on? Yeah. yeah say hello. Hi, Fred. Okay, let's see who else is on. Patricia's on. Norm Fenton. Did you? Was he there last night? No. Andy, Gary, Michael. Hi, Lynn Stewart. Do you know Lynn? Yes. Oh, I love Lynn. Hi, Lynn. Barry. Pete. Pete, you're right here. Rick. Hi, Rick. Jody Siegel's watching. Michael. Um, consider it done. Oh, Rick's making your, your bookmarks. He just oh. wanted you to know. He's, he's on it. You're getting your bookmarks with your book oh, on thank there. thank you. Annika, hi. Jeff, hi. Deanna, Lynn Sweeney. There's a lot of people. Jolene, hi, Jolene. My good friend Jolene, Rob Conton. Barbara, hi, Barbara. Bart, Rebecca, Gary. Yeah, we're just saying hi to everybody. Pete's going to, uh, Mick, hi, Mick. Um, I know... Pete's going to get the questions. Uh, Pete's going to keep track of questions for us. Pete, do you want to come out here and just say hi to everybody? For I do. A minute? I want you all to uh, say hello to Pete George, who uh, oh, Harriet Shaw kept calling Pete my sound guy. He is not my sound guy. He is my rock and roll comedian mm -hmm. that I love. Mm -hmm. who, uh, Both of these. Mm. Who, who um, I couldn't do this without. Pete is... is uh, What's the word? Indispensable. Indispensable. The word is indispensable. Yes. Tell both my ex-wives. <laughs> um, so, so Pete, what's going on with you? What's cooking these days? I saw, I saw you're promoting a different skill of yours. I am uh, flying to Vegas on Friday. You are. Uh, I got a writing gig for two days. Nice. Stand up, and I'm consulting at a comedy club there for the weekend. But you're also you're consulting with comedians, right? You're yeah, I also yeah. Uh, I do a stand-up coaching. So anybody stand-up coaching, uh, I also teach guitar. Uh, I'm looking for a new guitar in his car. I'm looking for a new agent, and um, <laughs> and I'm single and available. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. Bye. Okay, so now, Pete, if you guys have questions out there for Jerry, please uh, please put them on the thread because Pete's on it, and uh, we will be taking questions. But first, we get my question. So your brother, are you guys close? Yeah. Yeah, nice. yeah he lives in Arizona. We're in Arizona. Mesa. Okay, I went to Tucson. I went to school in Tucson. I love oh, okay. Arizona. Yeah. What does he do? Small world. What does he do in Mesa? I think he's in human resource. Uh, oh. Um, Walmart. Super Walmart. Oh, okay. So now, tell me about growing up, because I don't know anything about your childhood. Where did you grow up? Well, I was born in Buffalo, New York. Okay. Um, that was my first disability. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Jerry is a comedian, so it, it, we, we, this, there'll be a lot of that going on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was born in Buffalo, and how many siblings? I have, well, two, I know your sister two older brothers and a younger sister. And um, at that time, my mom knew that there was something wrong with me. When did she know? You know, she knew before I was even born. What? Yeah, she she was very psychic oh. and very intuitive, and she knew that she was gonna have a daughter with cerebral palsy. Did she take a test? 
What do you mean take a test? There wasn't. There's no, no test. There's no test. There's no test. There's no test. Um, she was very strict Catholic, and my brother is uh, ten and seven years older than me. Oh wow! So now, so wait. Let me ask you a question. Cerebral palsy is not something that happens as a result of the birth. It's something that it is something that happens as a result of the birth. But so how did she know that? Lack of oxygen to the brain. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> or whatever, something going wrong, trauma during. But the it's during life. the birth. Yes. Yes. And when she was 18, she was a nanny for a family in Maine. Mm -hmm. And my mom came from hard scrabble, you know, depression, big families. Right, right, right. And this family was very wealthy and hired my mom to be the nanny for the summer. Mm -hmm. And one of the kids was a 12-year-old who had cerebral palsy. She had never seen it before. And Ann Turner was her name. And the mother taught my mom everything there was to know about cerebral palsy so that she could better take care of her daughter. Wow. Okay. She was only 18. She hadn't even met my dad yet. Wow. (laughs) And she had lost her temper and slapped Anne across the face because Anne was very spoiled. Had wait, wait, who did? Your mother did? Mom. Your mother did? Yeah. Uh-huh. Anne was very spoiled and had everybody wrapped around her finger and she wasn't going to let her get away with that. But she had so much Catholic guilt. Mm. She, she went to confession. I'm so sorry, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How old was Anne? But she always knew in her mind, this is how she perceived it, mm-hmm. she thought that God was going to punish her one day for that act. Oh my God. She told me that herself. Years, wow. years, years later. Um, then when wow. there was a car accident shortly before I was born mm-hmm. where a driver lost control of the car, ran up my parents' front lawn, knocked over the maple tree, and my mom was carrying me, and my mom fell. And the water broke, and oh. she was rushed to the hospital, and I was born three months premature. Oh, She knew that I was going to be that baby that she had always thought was going to happen. And so she kept taking me from doctor to doctor saying my baby had cerebral palsy. (laughs) And they were looking at my mom like she was nuts. Because you were just a little baby. There's no way to know. No. And so my mom was way before her time. And she didn't think that about your older brothers. No. She never went. She knew it was going to be a girl. And the real irony here is my middle name is Anne, and she named me after that girl. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. That's just crazy. And, and the fact that she was prepared to care for you. But I have to tell you that the Turners guided my mother and my father to UCLA to get out of New York because they said, UCLA was the most progressive hospital in birth defects at that time. Wow. So they picked up everything, came to LA. For you? For me, to get me diagnosed. And she was right. 
And this is the how, other, how old were you when you were diagnosed? Well, this is the other <laughs> weird thing about the diagnosis. Yeah. You, know, you usually go into a private office and you're diagnosed by a doctor, okay. right? Mm -hmm. Well, the doctor came in the office and he said, Mrs. Jewell, um, we have a symposium going on this afternoon in front of 300 medical students. Would you mind if we do the diagnosis on stage? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So you were destined for showbiz. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! So she agreed to it. How old were you? I was eighteen months old, and you know there were three hundred doctors. <laughs> and, oh my. and if you notice that movement, that is called acetoid. <laughs> oh my god! And they were applauding. And I, my mom always said, I bet you she thought they were applauding her. <laughs> <laughs> you and, got it in your blood. Yeah, and, and the weird thing about it is that when I was about 12, I became obsessed with Carol Burnett. Mm. Carol Burnett, Carol Burnett, and I started writing her. Dear Carol Burnett, when I grow up, I want to be a professional comedian just like you. I want to be an actress. I want to make people laugh, but a healthy, wonderful laughter, not one that's making fun of you, but laughing with you. And Carol always wrote me back. Oh! Every single time. And she told me there were no guarantees that I would become professional. The important thing in life is to put out the effort and to try because you'll never know what you can do unless you try. And I have all those letters from Carol. Oh my God, well, how old were you when you started writing her? Probably? Well, and, and did you ever get to meet her? Well, this is, this is amazing. When I was in high school, I ordered tickets to the Carol Burnett show. I mean, it was my dream come true. I went with three other friends, had four tickets, and we got a front row seat. Oh. And granted, we BS'd a little bit. We told the usher that I was completely dead. <laughs> <laughs> I am very hearing impaired. I wear hearing aids, but I wasn't completely dead. <laughs> and she needed a front row seat. <laughs> and we got our front row seat, and I was so excited. My God, I get to talk to my idol. And, you know, bump up the lights, and I raise my hand. She never called on me. Oh, no! And I was like, oh, oh my God, no. I don't believe it. And my friends were saying, will you shut up? <laughs> will you just shut up? We want to watch the show. And it was the show where she wore no. the curtain. No, stop. Yes. Yes. Are you kidding me? Word of God. Oh, my God. God. I mean, I was right in the middle of history. Oh my and God. And I'm sitting there, but I can't believe you didn't come. Oh no. <laughs> I'd be thinking that too. And so Tim Conway, which by the way, God rest his soul, I can't believe yesterday he passed away. I, I know, and bless his heart. I, I met him a couple times. But that. I have never said God rest his soul ever in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, Tim Conway. Rest in funny. Oh, my God. I don't know where that came from. So, yeah. But that night, as usual, mm -hmm. he cracked Harvey Corman up so bad that they had to stop. <laughs>
and they had to take it again. So they had to stop and, you know, readjust and go through it again. Right. And so when they stopped, I picked up my logging book for my friend. I can't believe <laughs> <laughs> and, and Audrey looked at me and she said, well, you better think of something to say to her because she's coming right over here. Oh, she is not. <laughs> she is. And I turned around and Carol was right here at the edge of the stage and she extended her hand. She said, you must be Jerry Jewel. Oh, stop that. Yes. Had you sent her pictures? No. But a million letters, I have cerebral palsy. She put two and two together. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, how did you know? And she said, oh, just a clue. <laughs> just this girl flailing around in the front row. And she oh. said, I want you to know that I appreciate all the letters that you write me and your poetry is up on my wall in my office so everybody can read your poem. And she was so sweet. That is so amazing. And, and I said, Carol, yeah. Um, can you do one more little favor for me? <laughs> and she said, what's that? And I said, well, I have this report that I wrote for my English class on you. It's a report on Carol Burnett. And I will get a better grade if you autograph it. <laughs> if you autograph it. Oh, my God. Did your teacher freak out? I was in the seventh heaven. Oh my God. That is so. I, I, you know, they say don't meet your heroes, and sometimes it is that way. Yeah. But it's so lovely that that was not your experience. Oh, it wasn't. And she has been so supportive of me over the years. Have you seen her since? I'm not close to kill. Right. But ironically, I've become friends with one of her daughters. Which Jody. one? I'm friends with Jody. I love Jody yeah. Hamilton. Hi, Jody. I adore hey, Jody. Jody. <laughs> I love Jody. And you know, it was funny because I, when I met Jody, she's such a trip, mm -hmm. and she, I love her. And I always thought, oh God, do I tell her that I was a fan of her mom's? Because I thought if I tell her that, she, right, I, she'll think you're in it for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But she didn't. She mm -hmm. respected me for it. Yeah. And that felt so good. I just saw Jody about two months ago, Suzanne Wong, a friend of her. Do you know Suzanne Wong, comedian? Suzanne um, has got stage four. She was on uh, she was on House Hunters. She was the host, and she was on a show with Tom Berger on years ago. Oh, okay. And Suzanne has cancer, and she's okay. got um, and uh, they had a, a, a celebration of her and to raise some money. And I saw Jody there a couple months ago, and and Tom Bergeron was there too. And and uh, Jody's lovely. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She's a lovely woman. Well, that's a that. That is a beautiful story, and it and and a proper story to tell. You're getting a lot of love. People are shooting up love. A proper story to tell on the day after Tim Conway passed away. Um, yeah, what a, what a loss. What, and and you got to see him live. Yeah, and I I also did the Tim Conway golf tournament in the '80s. And was he hysterical? He he was so funny. You didn't know whether he was serious or joking. <laughs> I mean, it was like. Really? <laughs> Boy, that went out the bag. 
that's so great yeah. that, that you had that you've had so many experiences. Okay, so let's go back to early you. You're in Buffalo. Your parents come out to UCLA so you can be properly diagnosed in front of 300 doctors. Yes. They knew right away. Then I was put into school at 18 months old. And back then, wow. there was a school just for children with cerebral palsy. No other disability. Oh. So from age 18 to... 18 behind, months. Yeah. No. 18 months to sixth kindergarten, mm -hmm. I had the same teacher oh. with only kids with cerebral palsy. Was that a good thing? It was. Um, <laughs> what did I have to compare it to, Vicki? I, 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 I guess that's true. There you go. I'm an idiot, of course. So, yeah. No, you know what? Her name was Hazel. Okay. Hazel. Oh. Did you watch Hazel? I watched Hazel. <laughs> did you watch Hazel on the TV show when you I, were little? I, I did. Yeah. I like. Was she like that? Was she? Like, no, no, Hazel was nothing like that. Okay. Hazel. Mm -hmm. This Hazel was a drill sergeant. Oh. And that's why she was so brilliant with these babies with CP, because she didn't let them get away with anything. I mean, I can remember. And it would be considered abuse today, but it wasn't. Come on, we're so PC. Please. Yeah, I I was throwing a tantrum, mm -hmm. and I was I must have been two or three, mm -hmm. and she said, "Are you going to continue to scream?" <laughs> <laughs> if you can, if you choose to continue to do this, you're gonna. I'm going to put you in the closet. Oh wow! And she did. Oh wow! Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm. Ooh, that's and making me a little crazy. No, 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 no. She put me. In, actually, it wasn't traumatic at all. Really? No, no. Okay. I, okay. I love clothes. <laughs> Was there? Were there clothes in there that you could play with? <laughs> Did you, you really? Know, you remember that? I do remember that. Wow. And and I was very, she said I was extremely fast intellectually. Mm -hmm. And she had to really work to keep up with me, keep one step ahead of me. And so the only drawback being put into a special ed system, mm -hmm. if I just had Hazel old for the first five years, and then be transferred to regular school, that would have been the best. Okay. But once you were in the system back then. Oh, you couldn't get you out. You couldn't get out. So I was, you, you know. You were in special ed your whole Yeah, life. moved to one special mm -hmm. ed. Ever, and there was never another Hazel. Mm -hmm. And there were a few exceptions to the rule. I'm not going to, mm -hmm. you know, say it was all bad. Mm -hmm. Um. But interesting, when my first book came out in 84, mm -hmm. called Jerry, and by the way, it sucked. <laughs> if I would have written a book in 84, it would suck too. So. Oh, I hated it. <laughs> and I did Was it a memoir? 
me. Supposedly. Okay. <laughs> but I didn't like it. Oh. But my name was on it. Oh. And I was so young. I was 25. Did your agent talk? All right, we have to talk about your manager because I know about your manager. Was it your manager who taught yeah, you? Yeah, it was my manager. Okay, we'll and talk about And he's the that. one that kind of got me into this book deal. Oh. But, um... I oh, so your, your, your parting with him has been recent? No, this was a long time ago. Oh, that book, dear. That book. Oh, okay. I didn't... Um, yeah, okay. That book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a dream book tour that authors would dream of. Really? Every major talk show in the country. And I hated my book. Oh. So it wasn't fun, you know? What would you... How would you talk about the book? If you hated the book, how would you well, go on tour? Well, number and, one, when mm-hmm. they sent me the galleys, you know, mm-hmm. that is... Yeah, yeah. I have a book. I refuse to read it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good sign. Because emotionally, I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't let me write it, I'm not going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so how could you answer questions on a on a? T- I, it was very it was very difficult. <laughs> oh my god! And I'll, I'll never forget what I did, Phil Donahue. And oh my a lot, god! A lot of the. You know, host never even read it. Of course. You, you know that. But he read it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he highlighted everything oh. that he wanted to ask me about. Oh, my now, God. Now, remember, I didn't read it, okay? <laughs> so <laughs> so he, he gets me on the air, and, he's, and this live back then, no taping. You know, there's no way you can get out of it. And he said, like, just like this. Just like this. Where, where there's live no taping. Yeah. Um, and well, we have a lot of people on, Jerry. We're going to have to ask questions soon. All right, go ahead. Well, we're on the air. Yeah. And the first question he asked me, he said, Jerry, um, I noticed very early on in your book, you wrote something that I wondered about. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Are you panicking when he says that? You wrote, and I quote you, and I was thinking, oh, please don't quote me. (laughs) 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 And he said, you wrote that cerebral palsy are the two ugliest words in the English language. Why would you write that, Jerry? That sounds totally hypocritical of what you represent and what you do in your life. And I wanted to say, because I didn't fucking write the book. How did did you get out of that? I couldn't because I knew the publisher would sue me. So I said, well, Phil. (laughs) I said, you're an intelligent man. I said, you're taking it literally. And it was really a metaphorical. (laughs) (laughs) Nice save. Good save. And then I thought, oh, it can't get worse. (laughs) And it did. Oh, no. And did you love Phil Donahue as much as I loved Phil Donahue? (laughs) Yes. We went to a commercial break. Yeah. And we come back. And he said, Jerry, you wrote in chapter blah, 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 blah. about this teacher that made such an impact in your life. Can you tell us more about that teacher? (laughs) And you see this bright look on my face, 
It wasn't Hazel? And no, it wasn't. Oh. I, I knew it wasn't Hazel. Oh <laughs> and I said, I said, can you give me the initial? <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> just give me a clue. <laughs> and then he took the microphone and he hit himself in the head with it three times. And he, he's holding my book. He said, I could swear her name is on this book. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, he did that a lot. I. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Which was... But he, but it wasn't as bad as yet your perception of it. He was really saving me in a way. He was he was telling everybody you didn't write it. Yes. Yes. Without without me saying doing it. Right. Right. Wow. Wow. So how did the interview go after that? Well, he actually had me on a year later for the paperwork. <laughs> I couldn't get out of the paperwork. <laughs> If I read it, yeah. <laughs> and what did you say? Did you tell him the truth? Yeah, I did. I, I, so did he stay I, out of the book the next time and just ask you regular questions? Yeah, it, yeah. it was a... He, he knew. He knew. Yeah. That's adorable. That's a great story. Okay, so... so okay, so you, you come, you're in special ed. Does it bother you that you're in special ed when you're in special ed and you kind of... Because you're not... You're not mentally impaired. You're just physically impaired. So is it bothering you? Are the other kids also just physically impaired? Well, there was kids with learning disabilities. I mean, they didn't separate right. that. So there was a packing order in the special ed system. Uh -huh. And we only had 13 kids to a class. That's a good thing. Every year. Mm -hmm. There was never like 30 kids. Mm -hmm. So we all knew each other. And yeah, there was this longing uh, and the fantasy of what my life would be like going to a school in my own neighborhood with my sister Gloria. Um, and what the weird thing about it was that the school that I was bused to mm -hmm. was on the same property as a regular elementary school. And there were two playgrounds, one for us and one for them. So the regular kids would play on their playground, and we played on the special playground. Now, Jerry was rebellious. <laughs> no, I can't imagine after the stories I know about you that that is true. What did you do? Oh, I, I crossed that imaginary line all the time. <laughs> I'm going to play tetherball. Would they play with you? Um, they were instructed not to, you know, God. just out of a safety thing. You don't mm -hmm. want to hurt these kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were so overprotective. Mm -hmm. And the thing, the thing of it is, kids are kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes... Okay, wait, were kids, were kids kids and so they wanted to include you? I'm sure there were also kids who were mean. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, right? But you know what? I went... I... <laughs> I was bullied from some of the special ed kids worse than I ever was. Really? Oh, yeah. There was one kid, his name was Robert. Robert? <laughs> We're coming to get you, Robert. <laughs> Robert. <laughs> you know that comic Charlie Brown? And of course. The and I think it was Lucy that always said, I won't move the football this time. <laughs> 
and she did every time, something like that. Robert was that person in my life. Mm. And Robert came from a wealthy family mm. and I was just given a nickel every day for milk. I was not allowed to buy the dime ice cream. Okay. You know, I, my parents didn't have a lot of money. Uh -huh. You know, you have a nickel for milk, no ice cream. Okay. And Robert knew I liked ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Robert had pockets full of change. Oh. And he would say, you want a dime? I know you want ice cream. <laughs> and I, I must have felt for that so many and times. And he never gave you the dime. Oh, he gave me the dime. Oh. I bought the ice cream. Oh. It's almost gone. And then he runs into the classroom. Jerry stole my money again. Oh, <laughs> oh we hate Robert. Robert, we hate you. <laughs> oh, my God. Would and, you get in trouble? Oh, yeah, every time. And he started a game. And it was, have you ever seen Lord of the Flies? I have. Okay. That's a very upsetting film. Yeah, well, Robert was very upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is the interesting thing about Robert. If you met Robert mm -hmm. as a kid, you wouldn't know that he had a disability. Really? No. Because Robert came in later he was transferred from a regular school because supposedly the note that was sent home to the parents uh -huh. was that Robert had bone marrow cancer, I think it was, and so they couldn't have him in a regular public school because he could get hurt and they wanted him to be with kids that were gentle, that wouldn't hurt him. And I think Robert was very angry that he was taken out of a regular school system and put in with us 12 kids, which he resented because he didn't even identify with us. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. Yeah. That would make me very angry. Of course. Of course. And he was a very angry child. Mm -hmm. And he started a game called Blah, B-L-A-H. Okay. And on the blah paper, big B-L-I-H, you would paint a pig's face. And there was also a pink plastic pig that Robert brought to school. And the game was whoever went home with the plastic pig and their lunch pail they were not to be spoken to by any other kids in the class. Ooh, Robert orchestrated some mean shit. Yes. Wow. And so, you know, I got the pink pig more often than anybody. Oh, God. <laughs> Was he the one putting the pink pig oh, in the yeah. before? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know and what they say, though? The, the girl that you make the most fun of is the one you like the absolutely. most. Absolutely. Right? I know that. Mm -hmm. And... You know, it, it was it was interesting. Um, I think Robert did like me, but he didn't quite know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can remember when we were playing baseball, and I was up at the bat, because I was a tomboy, mm -hmm. and he came behind me and unzipped my dress, and it fell to the ground, and I was just standing there with pants. Oh. And, and Robert did that. 
you know? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just down. That's just. But you know what? I I I forgive him. Like I said, mm-hmm. I I understand now looking back. But at the time, time, it had to be. No, he's a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> he he was broke it? my finger yeah. on the bus because oh I God. wouldn't give him what he wanted. He said, "I'm going to break your finger." No, you're not. Yes, I am, and he did. <laughs> he did. He, wow. he was just. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's a lot of anger. But I, but I do understand what you're saying. Of course. Uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. And me, I was just like I am now. I, you know, I had such an incredible sense of humor, and I laughed. And I. Well, did the other kids laugh with you? Most of the time, uh-huh. I think that if if you were angry, like. Robert, mm-hmm. you didn't appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was one kid who had prosthesis, mm-hmm. and I don't know what I said or what I did. I was just being funny. Yeah. And he came after me and chased me into the girls' dressing room. I mean, the girls' bathroom. Yeah. And um, he grabbed my my pictures, my school pictures, mm-hmm. and ripped them up in oh. like 10 pieces and threw them on the roof of the school. Oh my God. And, but you know what, that's, that's okay. <laughs> well, you have a great, I, I think your attitude about everything across the board is what has made your life so extraordinary. Of course, yeah. of course, and I get that from my parents. Okay, so tell us about that. So. So you're the one sibling out of four that has yes. a disability. Are yes. your other are your other siblings? How are they towards you? Oh my God, they they were great. I mean, I was blessed with two wonderful brothers, and you know, they were a lot of years older than me and Gloria, mm-hmm. so they came from a different generation. Mm-hmm. But they made our lives magical and fun. Aww. They were always doing stuff with us. Mm-hmm. And Gloria, what a blessing Gloria was because mm-hmm. Gloria was my best friend Aww. all through my childhood and adult. Mm-hmm. Um, she was my younger baby sister, mm-hmm. but boy, she was protective of me mm-hmm. and she loved me. Mm-hmm. And we were so close. We were closer than most twins. So that, that has to come from your parents. It does. It so your does. parents had a good marriage, very loving. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, we, we had... A, oh. Oh, the light is leaking. The batteries leak- are leaking. The batteries are leaking. Yeah. Again. So, Ooh. oh, that's really nasty. You might be shorting out, that's why. Okay, so that's why, that's why we put new batteries in and it's not very bright. So your parents... Uh, well, they... And my mom had a wonderful sense of humor, and my dad didn't have as great as a sense of humor as my mother did. We used to make him laugh, try to get him to like me. What did, what, were your parents were not in show business. What 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 was your what did your dad do? <laughs> he worked for a cemetery and mortuary. Oh, not so funny, maybe. Wow. No, maybe not so funny. <laughs> uh, okay, I get it. Um, uh, my mom delivered mail. She was a mail carrier. That's cool. And she was the first woman supervisor in Orange County. Wow. Yeah, she really, yeah, 
she was so proud of herself. Did your older brothers have any, um, were they happy when the family moved to California? Or did they miss Buffalo? Who would miss Buffalo? No, no okay. they did. Of course, was, their friends were there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, my grandparents, cousins, mm. relatives at school, everything. Mm. And I think my oldest brother, David, always blamed me mm. <laughs> for taking him from that, you yeah. know. Um, but they, they adjusted. Um, so yeah. when did when did the show? So when did you realize you wanted to be in show business? How did that start for you? Um, it started early when I was, God, 11, 12, 13, and I was, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. A lot. Okay, I didn't have any friends in my own neighborhood. This story that sucks so bad. Well, because I was by far away to school. So they didn't no know you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't because... But did um, people play outside? Like, when I grew up, we played outside after yes, school, right? Did. So you played outside. Yes. And that wasn't an opportunity to get to know people, though? Because not enough. I didn't have good social skills. Mm. Um, how I find you, that hard to believe. How do you develop social skills when you don't have the opportunity to interact? Yeah. You don't. Yeah. And you're always told, don't cross and play on the regular school playground. You know, you condition not to be welcome in this world. Mm -hmm. And um, my world from 12 through high school was mostly, in my mind, fantasy. Damn. Um, and I used to watch Carol Burnett and and, you know, all these shows, the Partridge Family, the mm -hmm. Waltons, the Bradys, you know, I wanted to be a Brady. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a Walton. I wanted to date a Partridge. <laughs> <laughs> Who didn't? <laughs> uh, because my dream was mm -hmm. is that in television, everybody accepts everyone, mm -hmm. everyone's perfect, and and happy. Everybody's yes. happy, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so it's not surprising that I would go this route because you know what they say, if you really want something, you have to focus. Mm -hmm. Everybody that I have ever wanted to meet, I have met. Wow. Everybody. Really? Yes. This, name a few. Um, Jerry Mathers. Oh, I <laughs> the beef. Yes, and I identified with him because he was such a dorky character, and so was I. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of stupid things that Beaver did. So he was the male version of me. Mm. And I met him as an adult, and he's so sweet, so kind. I love them both. His wife, Teresa. They're very good friends. Oh, nice. Uh, Carol Burnett. David Cafferty, that's another oh, thing. You met him? Oh, yes, several times. And Okay, now that's one. Was it disappointing in real life? No, not at all. I love that. Well, because he had some abuse problems. Oh, of course yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah. But, but when I was in high school, mm -hmm. my bedroom was plastered with the <laughs> And I remember my sister Gloria boyfriend, one of them, <laughs> came into my room and just ridiculed me for it. Aww. Said, how could you put all that? And, That's really not well. <laughs> and 
I was so mad. I just took all the pictures off. And, oh no! Yeah, I mean, I felt so insecure about it. Mm. But I secretly, I was still gonna love him. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember in my senior year, and I bought Tiger Beat and all those, and cut out. Oh my hell books, yeah! And I had a whole book of saved David Cafferty pictures. And I remember there was a student that went to our high school with me mm -hmm. who had a disability and she was in love with David Cassidy and I remember bringing my book and I gave it to her, all my pictures, oh. and she said, you giving this to me? I said, yeah, I know how much you love him and how much he means to you. It's yours, it's my gift to you. But I'm being real honest here. I gave it to her because intuitively I was told to give it to her. And I was told to let it go because you're going to meet him. I believe all that stuff. Yes. I believe all that stuff. And I, oh, I, love I this heard story. it so loud in my mind. You have to be willing to let go of something to get something. You're not in recovery, are you? I mean, I'm in recovery. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I'm, that's. I'm recovered. You're. <laughs> I'm not recovered. I'm, it's, I'm never going to be recovered. I mean, I'm not totally recovered. Okay, I'm never yeah. totally recovered. Come on. No. No. But that's very 12-step yeah. let go. and. Yeah. But, yeah, but I have always been that way. Really? Yes. Always, always, always. Um, and so what's interesting is this was in the 80s, mm -hmm. and I was on Facts of Life, mm -hmm. and it was probably... I want to say 83, maybe, okay. or 84. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine, Keith Jennings, found out that David Cafferty was going to be on Good Morning LA with Christina DeLoria. Mm -hmm. So he called the producer and said that, Jerry, you are the huge fan of David Cafferty. Can we please get him a pass to come on and at least just meet him? Oh, no problem. I love Jerry. So we went up to the green room, and I'm sitting there, and all the way to the studio, I kept saying to Keith, come on, let's go back. I don't <laughs> want to do this. Jerry, you're going to do this? I don't want to do this. Jerry. So we're sitting in the green room, and I'm so nervous looking. Oh, God. I mean, this is my... Yeah. <laughs> and he walks in the green room, and I was like, <laughs> oh my God! And he was walked, he having a good hair day? He walked <laughs> over to me and he said, "You Jerry Jewel, I love your work." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my God!" Oh. And I said, "Wow, <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's so great! You're David Cassidy." <laughs> yeah, the last time I looked, I was. <laughs> and he said, wow, I didn't know we were doing the show together. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, do you want to get makeup first? Oh, no, no. no. Go ahead. <laughs> go get makeup first. Aww. And he was, it's okay. I mean, you can go first. No, no, it's okay. Just go get makeup. Aww. And I'm sitting there, and he said, you led him to believe that you're doing the show with him? <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> now let's leave so I'm a disappearing up when he comes back. 
<laughs> and he said, Jay, you have wanted to meet him since 1971, and I am not going to talk to you ever again unless you tell him the truth. Oh, <laughs> Jerry, okay, okay. <laughs> so he comes in and he goes, okay, Jerry, you can go get makeup now. And I said, um, David, and I didn't realize that, well, let me, let me set it up this way. I said, David, I have a confession to make. I need to tell you something. It's very important. Okay. Um, I'm not doing the show with you this morning, and um, I didn't want to tell you that because I didn't want you to think that I was a groupie, but <laughs> I'm a groupie. But I have been in love with you since 1971, <laughs> and when I was in high school, I didn't have any boyfriends. Only Gloria did, <laughs> and so you were my boyfriend. And I've always wanted to meet you, and I'm so sorry. And I'm, and I'm like, just tears. Oh. And he's, he's holding my hands like this. He holds both of my hands inside his hands. He said, relax. He said, I'm not Jesus Christ. And I'll never forget these words. He said, you know, I have banged my head against the wall for years. Why did I do the Partridge family? What? <laughs> oh, yeah. He was very upset about it for years. Really? And he said, and then I meet people like you, and you give me the reason why. Oh. And he kissed me on the cheek. Oh, God. Now, this is the kicker. When he was in the makeup room, they might. When Christina DeLorean was on stage, the sound guy hooked up his mic accidentally, not hers. So I have this on VHS tape, and Christina DeLorean's lips are moving, but all you hear is, I've been in love with you since 1971. Oh my God! What a press! And you have it? Oh yeah, I was stuck when I got home and played it back. I was like, "Oh kid. my god!" That's and a great story. And his publicist called me the next day, and he said, "David loved meeting you, and he wanted to make sure that everything's going okay in your career. Aww. And if there's anything we can do to help you, he wants to help you." Oh. I love this story, and I love hearing. Shirley Jones was here uh, in the living room okay. when her book came out, and his stepmom, and yeah. uh, you know, David was going through a lot of trouble of back then, and and uh, so it's lovely to hear. It's it's lovely to hear this. I uh, my thing with the monkeys and the cow sills were on my were plastered, and the Beatles all plastered on my thing, and oh, and, okay. and I was in touch with Bob Castle today. Although Barry was my crush, but <laughs> but um, I love Bob Castle and, and and Mickey Dolenz and 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 Nez and Peter, Dave. I mean, yeah, they were all over my room. So when we get to meet our heroes, I know, I know, and it was so me. lucky. I. You know, and I went to see him perform several times, uh, probably about a total of maybe 
five times over the years. Nice. And he was always wonderful to me back mm. then. He he was always good to me. All right, so we haven't gotten to your career at all. Oh, so God, we, I, I can't I'm like I'm looking okay. and I'm looking I'm at like oh no, don't be sorry. These are like like the best. I know Pete has questions, but before we go to their questions, I just have a couple of mine because I want to know how you connected with Norman Lear. I love Norman Lear. We love Norman Lear. I just saw Norman on Monday at SAG. He, he did a panel with Mike Royce and, and all of them from one day at a time, and it was fantastic. And Norman's done this show. He's been in the living room. How did you, because Norman Lear changed Jerry's life, how, and he changed the course of television history. Of course he did. Innumerable times. Yep. How did, how did you, how did you start? Okay, so you started out not as an actress, but as a... Stand-up. Okay, how did you start doing stand-up? How did that happen? Um, I started in 1978. I, I was flunking anatomy and physiology in college. <laughs> I was talking algebra for the third time. Oh God! And yeah. I was I was very frustrated because I was a psychology major, and you gotta you gotta know math and sciences. But I sucked in that. What What did you What were What were you going to school for? What did you want to become? What did you want to be? I wanted to be an actress. You wanted to be an actress. <laughs> but I had the State Department of Rehabilitation to put me through school, mm. so I had to pick something that was a realistic. Terrible policy. God. <laughs> Friendly job. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. And state rehab. You know, like I said, my parents weren't wealthy. Mm -hmm. And in order for me to go to school, I was dependent on the State Department of Rehabilitation. And where did you go to school? I went to Cypress College and I went to Fullerton College. Okay. And I was going to transfer to UCLA at that point. Wait, wait, was college the first time that you were matriculated with regular kids? No, high school. Right? Oh, you did high school. High school. Mm -hmm. And But I was a late bloomer. I mean, I was emotionally probably 12, 13 in college. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to college for three years, and I tried to get state rehab to support me as a theater last major to no avail. Mm. And so, um, because there hadn't been anybody with cerebral palsy who yeah. was an actress, and, and he showed me this big blue book, mm -hmm. and he said, "Do you see any any jobs in there for somebody with cerebral palsy in the entertainment industry?" Wow! By the way, show them your finger. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have that yeah. finger? On well, that? there's a blue finger with a white wheelchair on it and it's symbolic of get out of my fucking parking spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, so so there was nothing in the book. There yeah. Were, yeah. Okay. And so, so he's he's a dream killer. Psychology, mm. social, you know, social worker and accounting. There were a lot of successes for people with cerebral palsy in accounting. Oh. Really? oh. I don't get it, but whatever. <laughs> okay. Why? But when I I told him that I would be an accounting major because it looked really successful in the book, <laughs> and I, you know, I as you probably have figured out already, I'm rebellious. <laughs> no. And I was also naive and came out of special ed, so I didn't understand paper trail. Mm. I thought that. 
when I met with him in the office that he wouldn't know anything I was doing on campus. You know, he's not there. He doesn't see what I do. But when I got to the college, I took all his English classes. And I was an accounting major. Oh my God. And the State Department of Rehabilitation got all these receipts from the bookstores. <laughs> Monologues for women. <laughs> History of World Theater. And I got called on the carpet, and I guarantee you it wasn't a red carpet. <laughs> and he called me in, and he said, what are you trying to pull? I said, what are you talking about? You're an accounting major. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, but you're buying all theater books and the courses that you're taking, beginning lighting 101. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, you're not fooling anybody, huh? Theater wardrobe, mm -hmm. um, set design. Mm -hmm. What do any of this have to do with accounting? Oh, God. And I said, everything. <laughs> And he said, how do you figure, Jay? Hmm. I said, what? Um, I want to be an accountant in Hollywood, and I have to know. <laughs> <laughs> that was good thinking. I know. That was good. Yeah, it didn't work. Didn't work. He didn't buy it. Okay, so, so, so you get out of college. How do you start into stand-up? Well, how does that happen? I, I was very frustrated at that point, and mm -hmm. I was in the disabled services department. And I went to school with a lovely young man named Alex Valdez. Maybe you know him. Mm -hmm, I don't think so. He was a stand-up comic for years, mm -hmm. and he's blind. Oh, I know Alex. who he is. Alex. I, I yeah. don't know him, but I know Long, who he is. Even before me. Mm -hmm. I know Alex. Do and, you? Yeah. And the rock and roll comedian, Pete George. I know Alex. We're <laughs> together. I drove him, we went to the movie theater one time, and the entire movie, Every 30 seconds, what are they doing now? What are they doing now? What are they doing now? Like, I don't know because I'm distracted. And he wanted to drive back to the comedy condo. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, that's how. <laughs> so, so, we're sitting in the disabled services department, and I was really depressed. And he goes, why are you so bummed out, Jerry? And I said, because I'm failing all these classes, and I really don't want to be here. And he said, well, what do you want to do with your life? Well, I really want to be a comedian. But I was thinking Carol Burnett. Right. You know, not right. Lucille Ball, you know, not stand up, not Lily Tomlin. Right, right. And he said, Well, why don't you do what I do? I said, What do you do? Well, I go to the comedy store every week and tell blind jokes. <laughs> and I said, Well, Alex, I said, that may work for you. <laughs> but I can see just fine. And he said, no, dinky face. He used to call me dinky face. No, dinky face. You're going to tell cerebral palsy jokes. And he is the one, and John Holton, his driver, drove me up to L.A. every Monday. Wow. To do comedy. And I started at the comedy store. How did you, how did you start to write your act? How, how did you write your first joke? Well, how did that happen? Well, it was interesting. I wrote it two nights before I performed. <laughs> what was your first joke? Do you and remember? I remember the whole routine. Okay. Well, give us a couple, give us a couple of jokes. Yeah. I, 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 first of all, Danny Moore mm -hmm. ran the room, mm -hmm. the original room. Mm -hmm. And he was worried about Mitzi Shore meeting me. 
ahead of time because he didn't want any kind of preconceived prejudices to, Good for him. to destroy me before I even got polished. Good for him. I mean, there was no guarantee. He doesn't right, know right. that. Uh huh. He's just trying to protect me and look out for me. He said, you're not going to stand in line with all these amateurs. I want you to show up at midnight every Monday night, knock on the back door, say that you're Jerry, and say you want to talk to Danny and that I'm here to perform. And when I see that Missy has left the room, I will get you on stage. What made him know this about you? Was it an intuitive thing? Well, it was the cerebral palsy. There was no... Today, he was smart. A lot of comedians mm. with cerebral palsy, mm. but back then there was none. None. There was only one, and it was Nicky Arno mm. in the 60s. Mm -hmm. He became the head writer of the Tonight Show. Wow. And he also produced and wrote the Carol Channing Show. Oh, my. He was the only one before me. Mm -hmm. And he stopped doing stand-up because it was so difficult. He was mm -hmm. more gifted as a writer. Mm -hmm. So, the first time I ever performed, I knock on the back door. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right, she's here. Okay, Missy just left the room. So he runs and he tells the MC, he goes, okay, I want you to say Jerry Jewell is here from Orange County. <laughs> Come on, just do that right now, right now. <laughs> and so when you say Jerry, you don't automatically think of a woman, you think of men. So he thought I was a he. Jerry, J-E-R-R. Right, right, right. And uh, we're gonna have a uh, comic right now. His name is Jerry Jewell. He drove here all the way from Orange County. Let's give a big hand for Jerry Jewell. And you could hear a pin drop. And I went up on stage and I, I could vaguely hear some whispering like, oh my God, that's that me? <laughs> Oh no, oh no. my <laughs> And if it is a he, he's really fucked up. <laughs> I thought you were loaded. Yeah. Oh. Oh, because you didn't get an intro that you have cerebral palsy. No, no this is your act. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I go up to the microphone, nervous as hell. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't know about you people. This was my first thing out of my mouth. I said, I don't know about you people, but I've heard an awful lot about the gays and becoming out of the closet lately. And nobody laughed. You know, I was like, what the fuck is she going with this? <laughs> and I said, but, you know, it, but what you probably haven't heard about are all the cerebral palsy people that have been coming out of the closet. <laughs> but don't tell anybody. Shh. <laughs> 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 I don't want anyone to know about me. <laughs> this is our secret. And I don't want Anita Bryant to know. <laughs> Are they laughing yet? Oh, God, that's so great. This, and <laughs> I don't want Anita Bryant here because... She will get on another bandwagon, <laughs> and she will go all across the country giving speeches about 
we have got to stop <laughs> these people with cerebral palsy teaching in our public schools. <laughs> they will influence our children. And before you know it, all our children will be walking like this. <laughs> and I, I had that famous t-shirt, you know, that became even more famous on Facts, Facts of Life. Life yeah. I, I wore that the first night, and I said, I think my closing line was, um, I think I said, I'm one of the few people who drive better than I walk. <laughs> and I said, I believe that you can do anything you want in life if you want to bad enough, and that's why I'm going to be a brain surgeon. <laughs> And they gave me a standing ovation. I heard that you didn't know how to spell it until you got the t-shirt, right? I, I didn't. <laughs> and all the t-shirt the that I have at that time, and it's in the Hollywood Museum now, the original oh. one, with the cerebral palsy spelled wrong. I spelled it wrong for years until I got Facts of Life and I went, oh, there's no E in policy. <laughs> I love it. Gosh, I could have saved 30 cents if I had known that. <laughs> Jesus. All right, so you're a stand-up comic. How does yeah. Norman Lear come into your life? Uh, Fernfield Brooks was told about me. Mm -hmm. you got to see this comedian with cerebral palsy. She's brilliant. <laughs> Oh, I don't want to go through this. No, no, you got to see her. And she was like, oh, all right. And I killed. And she said, all right, I want you to perform for the second annual Media Access Awards. This was in 1980. And Norman Lear and Charlotte Ray, which oh. I forgot about. I, did, I forgot that she was there that night for years. Mm. They were sitting together and... Norman Lear came up to me after my show and he said, you're really funny, kid, but you're way before your time. <laughs> and I said, so wait a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually did wait three months and three months later, I was cast on Facts of Life. And it aired Christmas Eve, 1980. Wow. And it was... This is a true statement. It was the highest rating Facts of Life episode to date at that time. Wow. So now, how did your life change when that happened? Well, um, you know, it was surreal. I mean, there was no cable. There was nothing. There was just CBS, NBC, NBC. So even though I only did 12 episodes, that's all I did. A, I thought you were on the whole time. No. Okay. In a four-year period, mm. they didn't quite know what to do with me. Mm. Um, I got hundreds of fan letters every week, mm. and it, I felt like I was David Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought, oh, this must be what it feels like. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it, it was surreal, and but it was also hampered with the fact that such a quick rise to fame without any support, mm. you know, didn't have a good foundation mm -hmm. and had a manager that was crooked. So how did, how did I, I heard about that today, I didn't know about that. How, how did you, how did you meet with him and how did you come together with him and how did you find out he, he was crooked? He came after me in college. Mm -hmm. 
I my first performance was at college. It wasn't at the comedy store, mm-hmm. and he drove all the way from L.A. because he had heard about me. Mm-hmm. You know, with this flashy car, this car, remember I shiny, and I didn't know anything. I was young, yeah, I was yeah, a kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I signed a contract with him that gave him 75% of my earnings. And um, when Oh I, my God, how long were you with him? <laughs> too long. I was mm-hmm. with him uh, three seasons of Back to Life. And then... And he was, was robbing you. Yeah. It, I it, mean, aside from the 75%. He it, was also, wasn't he borrowing off your checks well, and stuff? Well, it was interesting because... He, he got arrested for something that had nothing to do with me. Mm. And what he did was, was book me all over the country doing $500 gifts there, 500, so that I wouldn't know what was going on here in Hollywood, so I wouldn't get drift of it. He was trying to hide the truth from me. Mm-hmm. And then I... Um, I, somebody told me about it, you know, your, your manager, <laughs> he, he's being uh, indicted, I think, oh. for, for stealing $1.3 million from other people. I think you should look into it. And then I did a Facts of Life episode, and this was before he went to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, and all my checks went to him first. They, of course, they didn't go to me, they went right. to him. And I, at this time I knew that he was not good and that I was in trouble. And I stormed in the office and went past the secretary, I want my money from my fact of life. You can't go in there, yes I can, you can't stop me. And I saw a check on his desk from Embassy Production. Mm-hmm. And I grabbed it, you can't take that, yes I can. Try to stop me. And I went home and I opened it up and I'm thinking it's going to be about $4,000, right. $5,000 with my rent and all my bills. Uh-huh. I opened it up and it was $45. Oh my God. And I thought, um, this can't be right. And I've never, you know, made any financial calls on my behalf before the first time I did it. I called the financial department and I said, hey, I'm Jerry Jewell from Facts of Life, yes. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a little error in my check, there was some zeros missing. <laughs> there's no zeros missing. No, no, you don't understand. The check is only for $45. That's right. Well, this was for a week's work. Mm-hmm. And he, she said, but you don't go taking huge advances out of your money for future performances and expect your check to remain the same. Shit. So he would, and I gave him power of attorney. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. What we do when we're young and innocent, huh? And, you know, I, I have to credit Norman because he he was out of the loop. He didn't know that all this was happening. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, uh, Al Burton, who was the other producer of mm-hmm. Facts of Life, mm-hmm. I, I went to him with that $45 check. I was in tears. Mm-hmm. I said, I can't even make my car payment. I can't pay my rent. What am I going to do? 
I mean, can I can I have an advance from next season? I mean, what a stupid thing to say. I mean, you don't even know if you're going to be on next season. Mm. You know, that's how young I was. Mm. And he said, Jerry, listen to me. I'm going to write you a check for $5,000. And he wrote me a personal check. Mm. And he said, do not give it to your manager. Your manager is a bad man. Jesus. And he said, he said, um, you need to get away from him. Mm. And Al was going to fix everything mm-hmm. and do a spinoff, you know, with me. And it, they transferred him to something else. So he left, and I was left holding that dysfunctional bar where nobody knew what to do with me because. You know, this is where the disability comes in because you're thinking, oh, she's not. Mm-hmm. You know, there's too many problems. Don't, don't go. Nobody really sat down to say, hey, you've never been in show business. You've, let's navigate. Let's give you some people that can guide you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I think people were afraid of me. Mm-hmm. Understandably. You know, if if you look at it and you think, oh, she's too much trouble, mm. and I was emotionally a roller coaster. Mm. There, there were, um, I was also sexually abused in the comedy circuit also, and that happened in that time frame also. Oh wow! So emotionally, I was like, who do you trust? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I was messed up, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't. And so substance abuse in that huh? period. Substance abuse in that period. I uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, sleeping pills. Because mm-hmm. it was it was to check painful out. to be asleep mm-hmm. than to deal with all this. Mm-hmm. Um, it was scary, and I I was like. Gosh, I accomplished so much with my life, and there's no joy. And I, Norman came back into my life. One question, were your parents blown away by what you did with your life? Yes. Yeah. And truthfully, what I should have done was go back home you know, go back to Fullerton and live with them for financial safety. Mm-hmm. But my ego wouldn't allow me mm-hmm. because I thought if I did that, then I'd really be a failure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just gimpied along <laughs> trying to make the best of it. And I, I didn't have good people in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, there were was, there was so many people that were, and an attorney gave me this as a gift back then, gave me a stuffed animal of a sheep, you know, of a wolf in sheepskin, and said, this is what you have to look for. They're all over this town. Open your eyes. But you see, I had no social experience to even understand mm-hmm. them. I took you for face value. Mm-hmm. How did how did you get uh, Deadwood? How did how did how did that happen for you? Well, it, this is you know, 
I'm I'm so blessed. I I really am, because in uh, 1999 my marriage was over. I was married for ten years, and you know it. I came from a troubled background, mm -hmm. and so the marriage was somewhat dysfunctional, mm -hmm. and it wasn't working, and I was again checking out sleeping pills avoiding mm -hmm. what I needed to take care of. Mm -hmm. um, and I was in a lot of physical pain because the neck, if you notice the earlier years of my performing, my neck, my head moved a lot from mm -hmm. CP. Mm -hmm. Well, that was down the neck. Yeah. So I also was in chronic, chronic oh. physical pain. Mm -hmm. And the stress and the emotional struggle was making it worse. Mm -hmm. And then I left my husband, we were separated, and I was in L.A., and I had a job in London as a consultant, and I, I really thought that I was going to die, and that was in oh my. 98, the mm -hmm. end of 98, and I thought, oh, I'm not going to live much longer. Uh, I, I was very skinny. I, I weighed probably... Oh God, less than a hundred pounds. Um, wow. And I was so lost. Mm. And I, I was trying to maintain my independence, living on my own. And here, I, I couldn't even figure out how to manage. And I went to London, and that's when I knew I was in a lot of trouble. And the producers that hired me, oh, I love them, they knew that I was in trouble. And they were concerned because they saw how my health, you know, and they consulted, they hired me as a consultant on a film about a comedian with cerebral palsy, but I was a mess. Mm. Even if it had gone, I don't know how I could have done it. Mm. And the, I had one day off and I went shopping. And I bought a $200 pair of roller skates. And I bought them to the studio. And everybody's looking at me like, oh, she's lost her mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably not going to wear them. <laughs> I mean, they're like, what in the world? I said, you don't like them? It will. <laughs> yeah, okay. I. I think the reason I did that mm -hmm. was because I was trying desperately to grasp on to an image of when I had a dream that I could do something and it was when I learned how to skate as a kid. Nobody said I could do it and I learned how to do it. So I was trying so hard to grasp on to something that I was successful at. Mm -hmm. And when Anthony Andrews was the producer, mm -hmm. actor, wonderful man, he came to put me up to the hotel and take me to Heathrow. And he, he said, you skate, they're not packed. And I said, yeah, I know. Well, I'll ship them to you. No, 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 no. They have to go with me. They're going to be on my lap the whole time. I didn't want to let go of the skates. Mm -hmm. And when I came back to Hollywood, this is the kicker. Um, 
I had this gate in a box in my apartment. Wait, look at them. Wait, don't mm-hmm. face the wall. Look at I, them. I had this gate in a box. Mm-hmm. I hadn't opened them. And I wasn't planning to really use them. I just wanted them. Mm-hmm. And I called up a high school teacher that I had had since the ninth grade who worked with teenagers with disabilities. He's my dear friend even to this day. His name was Lane Moss. And I was crying, just sobbing and saying, I can't do this anymore. I have to get off this roller coaster. I, I, can't, I can't be this. I'm not successful. I'm not, I can't be a role model for people with disabilities and I'm in so much physical pain. Mm-hmm. There's no, I can't do this. And he was so calm. He said, Jay, Number one, you have got to get off the drugs. But how? Because I was in so much physical Right. And I stood up. I lost my balance. My heel touched the box of skates, and I flipped over the box of skates on my head. And I could hear my neck crunch. And... I thought that I was going to be dead. I thought I was going to die. And I didn't want Blaine to know that he was the last person I spoke to before they found me dead. Oh, my God. So I said, I'm just bawling, but now not because (laughs) of my being, you know, emotionally upset, but because I just fucked up my... All right, I'll think about getting up from <laughs> I thank you. And I hung up. I did not call 911. I, I, I think the reason I, again, I was not clear. Mm-hmm. I think the reason I didn't call 911 was I was afraid I would end up in the National Enquirer, Jerry, you know, I back for life. You know, all this, and I thought, oh, oh yeah. no, I'm not going to do that. No, no, uh-huh. no, 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 no. So I took a handful of pills, oh. and I thought, it's okay. I'd rather be dead. And I took the drugs thinking that I'd never wake up. And I woke up 15 hours later with my two cats staring at me. <laughs> and my neck hurts so bad and I called my doctor and I said can I see you I I need an appointment because my neck hurts really bad I didn't tell her what I did and she said well I have an opening tomorrow okay (laughs) oh my god and I drove to the doctor and I walked in and she was shocked I mean she couldn't believe how thin I was how I was hiding everything from her. And she, I said, Jay, I said, I, I think I need an MRI because I fell on my head. What do you mean you fell on your head? Well, I flipped over backwards and landed on my head. Jesus Christ. And she got me in touch with a surgeon and moved me up the ladder to Jay Pax Johnson. And he saved my spinal cord. Mm. Um, I my neck is forty five percent titanium now. Wow. Um, you know I'll always be in pain. I'll always. You still be have in, chronic pain. 
Oh God, yeah, mm. for the rest of my life. And you don't take those kind of medic medications anymore. Do you take something different? Once Obviously. in a while, but mm. most of the time, I try to fit on Botox. Okay, so t and so Botox you use medicinally, huh? You don't use it cosmetically. You use no, it medicinally. No, no, never, never. It I get two to three vials of Botox every three to four months in my neck. And that takes the pain away? Yeah, because wow. it paralyzes the muscles. Oh. See, the problem is, I will always have cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. I will always have these messages that are going through my nervous system that I have no control over. And these messages are telling me to move all the time. Mm. And my neck is going, I can't do that anymore. Will you stop that? <laughs> <laughs> And it's not going to stop. Hmm. So, um, I, anyway, cut to the chase. Mm -hmm. Gloria, my loving, wonderful sister Gloria, saved my life then. Put everything in storage. She lived in Laguna Beach. She drove up to UCLA and the rehab hospital every single day from mm -hmm. Laguna to make sure I was okay. And she put handrails in her bathroom so that I wouldn't be transferred to a nursing home to live with her. Mm. And she believed in me. Um, you're going to overcome this. You're going to beat this. And in 2002, now remember, I had the spinal cord surgery in 1999. Mm -hmm. 2002, I'm standing in line at this yuppie buppy pharmacy <laughs> in Santa Monica, mm -hmm. picking up the Botox for the nurse, neurologist mm -hmm. to inject it in my neck. And I looked like shit that morning. Oh my God. <laughs> my pain level was through the roof. Mm -hmm. I was wearing pajamas with the jacket because I hurt so much I couldn't even get dressed properly. Oh. And I thought, nobody's going to recognize me. Just don't worry about it. I'm standing in line, this man turns around, he goes, are you Jerry Jewel? And I didn't even want to admit oh. I was. I said, yeah, yeah, I am. And he goes, well, I'm a huge fan of yours. You've inspired me. You've made me laugh. I love you. I said, well, thank you. And I honestly didn't think I had seen you on TV in a long time. What are you doing with your life now? Botox. <laughs> <laughs> And he said, you want a television series? What? You want a television series? I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a pharmacy, right? <laughs> and he said, yeah, in case you don't recognize me, my name is David Milch. Oh my God. And I just signed a contract with HBO for a new Western called Deadwood. You want to do a Western? And I looked up as far as my titanium never <laughs> let me. And I said, God, you have a real cookie sense of humor. I'm standing here with cerebral palsy, a titanium neck, depending on Botox. And David Smith wants me to ride a horse. <laughs> he, he actually wrote his phone number on a prescription pad for an antidepressant. <laughs> Which I thought was very symbolic. <laughs> and I was the first 
person ever cast in Deadwood. Oh my God. By David himself. That is a great story. I mean, and you know, I, I, my whole career, I've gone through years and years of no work, and then work, and then years and years of no work. And when Deadwood ended, mm-hmm. now we're bringing me up to date, when Deadwood ended in 2006, I believe, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, there was no new season, there was no movie, there was nothing, and I just worked a tiny bit. I, I did an episode of Alcatraz, mm-hmm. you know, but no solid income right. to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. And so then two years ago, um, I lost my sister to cancer, mm-hmm. and then I had spinal cord surgery in July, and I really had lost my spark in the last two years. I, I just thought, I can't do this anymore. I mean, it's just too much. Mm-hmm. And I the reason I had the spinal cord surgery in July was because my lower back... See, when you have cerebral palsy, your body's going to go. Mm-hmm. It just... You know, you, you move differently. You wear and tear. Mm-hmm. It ages quicker. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't show. I know I look so young. You do look so young. That's not that's not bullshit. I mean, you look so young. You do. I don't know what it is because my bones and my muscles are that of an 80-year-old woman. Wow. Yeah, it's weird. Um, so anyway, I had the surgery because I always knew, we talk about intuition, mm-hmm. there's going to be a movie. There's going to be a Deadwood movie. I just know it. Even though, now nah, there's never going to be a yes, there is. There's going to be one. And um, I had the surgery because by July, I could no longer walk. I couldn't stand longer than two minutes without going to my knees. Mm. Like I'd be standing in line at the grocery store and go to my knees. Mm. And, uh, you know, people would look at me, are you okay? Uh, yeah, I was, I was raised Catholic. <laughs> I'm used to this position. And I, I had the surgery because I believed in a movie. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, my neck is killing me, but my lower back is killing me. I can't walk anymore. So let's do the least invasive surgery first because I have a movie I have to do. I can live with the neck pain. I'm used to it. I mean, I know it's a fucked up neck, but I can live with it. Mm-hmm. But the lower back, I, I can't function. Mm-hmm. So the surgeon told me that if I had the surgery in July, that I would be walking my normal by August. Wow. That's and, so fast. Yeah. And uh, they always exaggerated mm-hmm. and he he didn't take into consideration the cerebral palsy mm. because any kind of surgery on top of cerebral palsy is going to be twice as long recovery sure. and so I was in the hospital seated for a week to rehab for two weeks and then home care physical therapy occupational therapy and by the middle of September I was still a part-time wheelchair user walker still trying to find my way. Mm-hmm. And I got the script to Deadwood. 
Email it to me. No! <laughs> no, not yet! Not yet! And I read it and I was like, oh, I can't do this. So I called up production. I said, can I speak to David Mills? Well, he's not taking any calls right now. Can I leave him a message? I said, yes. Tell him that Jerry Jewell called and that I had spinal cord surgery on July 12th and that I'm still not recovered. I'm on heavy drugs. I can't walk completely yet. I'm in a back rest. Um, so he has my blessings to recast Jewel. And there was this silence on the line. I, are you sure you want me to tell him that? And I said, yes. Oh my God, what a heartbreaking thing to have to do. Because it is the truth. Mm -hmm. David called me the next day. He said, Jerry, David. I said, hi. <laughs> did you get my message? Yes, I did. And I'm going to tell you something. There's only one jewel, and it's you. And I don't care if I have to get a wheelchair accessible trailer, if we have hair and makeup and wardrobe coming to you, if we have to make changes in the script, you're going to be Jewel. I love David Milch. Um, I think I love David Milch like as much as I've ever loved anyone. Oh my God. He saved my life. And uh, he really did because I have lost my sight, my spirit. Um, when I arrived on the set, I was using crutches. Um, I was in so much pain. Mm -hmm. From zero to 10, I was in 15 physical pain. And I did it. And I remember- I can't wait to see it, I'm so excited. When I did the table read, mm -hmm. um, I said, David, thank you for believing in me. I mean, you gave me this gift twice. It's like every time I have surgery, I get a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you believe in me when I didn't believe in myself. And he said, Jerry, I believe in you from the tips of your toes to the top of your head. And I am so proud of this movie because it gave me my spirit and my fight back. And, um, you know, I miss my sister with all my heart. She was on that set oh. with me every day. I, I love this star. Like, I feel like this is the place we should end, but we haven't taken one question. We have to take some questions. Because we have all these people who, Butch Patrick is on. Eddie Munster. Eddie, we had to love Eddie I Munster. I love Butch. He's a friend of mine. Yeah, Butch is a sweetheart. Okay, Pete, what do we got? All right, first one, Jerry. Is Robbie Benson as handsome in person? Oh, God, yes. I love Robbie. I wonder if he's watching. Hi, Robbie. He's my favorite. Hi, Robbie. Person. I love him. Um, uh, let's see. Um, okay, we've got so many questions here. Okay, go ahead. Okay, here we go. Um, let's see. We're going to keep Jerry on the clock to answer. We've been talking for almost two hours already. Oh, oh, oh. so, but no, no, don't be sorry. This is fantastic. And so many people have stayed with us. We, and we want to hear the questions, so we want... Okay, Gary Collins asks, uh, what was it like working with Charlotte Ray on The Facts of Life, and did you remain friends with her after her departure and before the day you lost her? Um, Charlotte Ray was very, very supportive of me. Um, we had some misunderstandings. Uh, 
there was a wolf in sheepskin mm-hmm. <laughs> that played us against one another. Oh. But I was very blessed. Years later, we reunited at the TB Land Awards, and she read my book. Mm-hmm. And I interviewed her for Ability Magazine, and I got to spend wonderful, wonderful quality time with her before she passed. Oh. And I have so much respect for Charlotte. I love her dearly because I think we both misunderstood our journeys. Mm. Well, it's nice that you had that. Oh yeah, that you had that closure. You had the closure and the healing. All right, go ahead, Pete. Uh, did you film Deadwood in Santa Clarita? Pardon me. Did you film Deadwood in Santa Clarita? Yes, we did. <laughs> uh, let me see. Hi, Jerry. You are a beautiful inspiration. I am also living with CP. Mm-hmm. Your book touched me in a wonderful way. Thank you for everything. Oh, well, who's what's the name of that person? Oh, I just deleted it. Uh oh. Um, yeah. Oh, here's a good one. This okay. is funny. <laughs> okay. John Farragher. Uh, let me see. I want to hear the story about the facts of life nude painting. What? What? Nude painting. And the facts of life. Oh, please. <laughs> there was no nude painting. There was a nude painting. <laughs> okay, there was a nude painting. <laughs> <laughs> there was no nude painting. This okay, is, there was a nude painting. No, but it, it wasn't during the facts of life. It mm. was years later. Mm. It was on Facebook. And somebody had sent me a photo of a nude painting of all the girls, including Charlotte, were nude in the painting, except me. I was in the painting, but I was wearing the t-shirt. I don't have to have a while I'm drunk. <laughs> I thought it was hysterical. So I posted it on Facebook because I thought it was funny. And I got put in... Facebook, Facebook jail? jail. <laughs> Oh because it was claimed to be pornography. Oh my it was god. a painting. Oh my god, that's hysterical. More Pete? Yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, Thomas Steves, I'm so happy to see Deadwood back and happy to see Jerry bringing Jewel back. What were your thoughts watching the premiere? It was amazing. Um, wow. <laughs> it, it was surreal. And... I make my singing debut. Ooh. That was challenging. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a good singer. <laughs> and I had to sing this song that I had never heard before, a very difficult song if you don't know it. Okay. It's called Waltzing Matilda. Mm-hmm. Waltzing Matilda. Waltzing yes. Matilda. You're coming. The Waltzing Matilda. Matilda to me. Australia. <laughs> yes. Wow. Oh, I can't wait to see this. Great. This is fabulous. Okay, what else? Uh, what is your favorite memory from working on Facts of Life? My mm-hmm. favorite? I, definitely the first episode yeah. was probably my favorite episode out of all of them. Yeah. Because it was so <laughs> magical. Mm. Karina Crash asks, uh, do you have any plans for a second autobiography? I do. Ooh. And will you let Phil Donahue read it? (laughs) That's Pete's question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, I'm writing two books. I I would like 
to extend that book, I'm walking as straight as I can and add more chapters because so much has happened since that book. Mm -hmm. um, and the other book I want to write is for <laughs> for my sister. Um, it is when Gloria had cancer. I gave her a gift bag of all these different gifts at the cancer center. And the one gift that she loved more than anything else in that bag was a little stuffed monkey. She, I never thought that she would love that monkey the way she did. Hmm. She took it everywhere. Mm -hmm. She took hundreds of pictures of this monkey and she decided that the monkey was going to have cancer too. So the monkey had chemo and all that, the biomat, uh, did all the treatments that she did, and he made friends with all the doctors and the nurses and posed with everybody, got in a wheelchair, picked up the doctor's mail every day. <laughs> he was an amazing monkey. And I kept asking her, did you name him yet? And I'm not going to name him, he'll tell me. So about two weeks into it, she calls me up, okay, monkey has a name, what is it? It's Buck. Buck? <laughs> okay. Where did he come up with Buck? Well, truthfully, I was in my room and I was crying and the doctor came in and he said, Gloria, why are you so upset? And she said, oh, I don't know. I have cancer. I can't get the white blood count up. Gee, I have no idea. <laughs> and she, he said, you gotta buck up. And so she named the monkey Buck, and she wanted to call the book Buck Up to Cancer and write it for kids. And, and I promised Gloria <coughs> that on her bedside, mm -hmm. I knew she wasn't going to live to finish that book. And that was one of her regrets. She was like, but I wanted to write the Buck book. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to write the Buck book you, in your memory. And it's gonna happen. And he's got, he, Buck is so cool. I'm choking. He got, um, <coughs> he got to meet all the Deadwood stars. <laughs> they made him an honorary uh, sheriff of Deadwood. Aww. He got a cowboy hat and a badge and everything. <laughs> he's had some amazing adventures and I'm gonna write the Buck book and Gloria is going to be inserted it, inserted in it with Angel Wing as his guardian angel guiding him recovering from cancer. I and love it. Buck is a cancer survivor for children. I love it. Any other questions? Yeah, two things. Okay. <laughs> the first thing, uh, <coughs> let me see. Okay. Karina Crash asks, is there a mailing address where we can send letters to you? Uh, and if I sent you my personal copy of your book, would you sign it, return it? Yes, there is a mailing address, and I believe it's on my website. Okay. Well, I'll get it from you, and we'll put it okay. on the thread here so people yeah. can do that. And this is the last thing. I feel this is important. Uh, Josh Hans, um, he says, I remember Jerry doing a stand-up routine at California State University, Chico, back in February 1993. It was raining that night, and Jerry mentioned it at the beginning. I think she talked about Etch-A-Sketch versus Nintendo. 
Game Boy, one of her Halloween costumes, I did. Oh my and her God. impression of beef jerky. <laughs> Great performance wow. back then. Wow, I've forgotten about those jokes. Thank you, John. Oh my God. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, Pete, thank you so much for, for hanging in there and, and uh, waiting till the end to get your questions in. Jerry, I I could sit here and listen to you all night long. And I'm, I'm only like, oh my God, we've been talking for two hours, but it's flown by. And I am so inspired by you and I'm so grateful that you didn't give up and that you have kept on going and I hope there's a sequel to Deadwood the movie it's we're fucking back and whatever that'll be called and I hope that there's a lot more work a lot of people out there watching this show and I hope there's a lot more work for you I, I trust that there will be um I Thank you, I adore you. You're fabulous. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And I am going to New York on Saturday for Samantha Ray's graduation from NYU. And um, and um, so next week on her graduation day, I will be in a hotel room with Steve Conti, my old friend from uh, Company Wolves and Marilyn... No, not Marilyn, not Marilyn Manson. No, I'm getting this wrong. Oh, yeah, no, none of those. <laughs> Michael Monroe. He, he tours with Michael Monroe, but he's played with everybody from Bo Diddley to Blood, Sweat, and Tears, like everybody. And he's a monster, Phoebe Snow. And, and he was actually Paul Simon's stand-in for years because he's got the voice. He's had three to five of the, the, um, the coolest songs of the week on Underground Garage. He's got my favorite rock and roll voice in the world. I'm excited to see him. Thank you so much again for doing this. Thank you, Pete, so much. We'll see you next week from New York. Take care.